Hello and welcome to the Slow Down and Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Kim Stark, and this podcast is all about how we can move at a more natural, less busy pace so we can have beautiful, calm and abundant lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode, which is actually episode 20. I can't believe I've already done 20 episodes. Time has flown. I still feel like, you know, just dipping my toe in the water at the moment. And in fact, this week I've been working on getting the website finally done. So maybe you guys haven't even noticed, hopefully not. Um, But I don't have branding and the website done yet. So I guess I've always been one of those people who prefers to just start things and then perfect as I go. And then there's lots of other people who like to get all their ducks in a row and then launch. And I'm not saying either is, you know, wrong or right, but I am definitely kind of a just let's go, let's start, let's just do the thing. And I've already done 20 episodes. So, wow. So, but I am very excited about doing a photo shoot next week to get all the photos done for the website. And I found a designer, website designer that I really like. Um, So yeah, it's been really exciting and it's been a really good process for working out exactly what I want to say and why I'm doing it. And so, yeah, I'll share more as things progress, but at the moment doing a photo shoot next week. So very excited about that. But for today, I wanted to talk about, I guess, my business burnout story. So it's going to be a bit of a story time episode because I don't think I've really shared the whole story. I've probably dropped little bits and pieces as I've gone along, but I thought it would be a good thing to hear because there is definitely lots of lessons along the way and I want to share some of them with you. So I remember when I was a massage therapist, which was what I was doing before I sort of started the product business Amity, which turned into Wheatbags Love. Um, I was doing massage and before that I had been working in film and television as an assistant director and that was a very stressful job but I think being young and energetic it was you know it was kind of fine Um, and then when I was doing massage I remember telling people how to not be stressed so a big part of massage is you know teaching people how not to like cramp their muscles up and tighten their muscles up in between sessions and I remember thinking it's so weird I'm not stressed at all. Like I'm showing and telling all these people how not to be stressed and I just can't relate. I'm not stressed. And I just think back on that and laugh because (laughs) little did I know how stressed I was going to be coming up in the future. But that was kind of my reference point at that that time was just thinking, ah, now I'm running this massage business, like got my own clinic and doing my thing. But yeah, it's just not stressful at all. And uh, yeah, I did find it actually really easy business to manage doing massage therapy but it wasn't great for my body so it did have physical stress that's for sure so I did eventually want to transition out of doing massage and I remember wanting to make wheat bags for my clients because the ones that you could buy in to sell to people were just really ugly like ugly corduroy kind of like wheat bags and I just remember thinking no I'm gonna make my own so that's kind of where all of this started I started getting some fabric just from the fabric store, making wheat bags, selling them to my clients at my own clinic. And then I started shopping them around to other physios and osteos and they were buying them and selling them. And um, so then when I sort of needed to leave massage just because my body did not like it at all, uh, I decided to do a government funding scheme called NICE. Some of you guys might be aware of that. So basically the government help you start a small business. And so part of that, I was like, yeah, I'll make wheat bags. And um, and then I was broadening it out because I wanted to 
be creative and I wanted to create my own fabrics and make products out of them. So then I added handbags, leather handbags with screen printed fabric. Um, and then I used that screen printed fabric for cushions and for the wheat bags as well and homewares and tablecloths and all sorts of things. So I taught myself how to screen print and was suddenly, yeah, making all of these products and doing this small business course and and off I went. And yeah, I really enjoyed being creative. I had no idea what I was doing, of course, and I kind of just went along my way. And I would have been doing this for maybe two, three years. I had started doing trade shows and they were okay. Like I certainly wasn't making much money at all, but because I was just starting out, the fact that I had taken some orders at the trade shows was very exciting. But actually, now that I'm thinking about the first few trade shows that I did, it was interesting. There was so much pressure that I put on myself for them that I ended up having little mini burnouts after each one. So the first two I did were kind of like ones that you could do as a new business. So they were a small stand and I was just so nervous, like having so many more people walk past and judge what you're doing and hopefully that they, you know, make uh, an order with you and that they trust your brand and they want to have it in this store. And I would just be a nervous wreck the whole time. And so then, of course, my poor adrenals just crashed and I would just be sick for two or three weeks afterwards. And I remember this took a couple of years before I guess I had enough experience and I was able to kind of step back a bit and not care so much and had more confidence that I would make sales. But those first, you know, one or two years were rough. And then it came to the trade show that kind of broke me. (laughs) So it was only maybe my fourth one. So that would have been two years of doing trade shows. And it was my second kind of big stand. So I'd sort of graduated from these little like beginner ones to like a proper stand. That was like three meters by three meters. And you had to like make it look amazing. And and the first one I had done was, yeah, it had gone okay. It wasn't amazing. But again, because I was just starting out, I was like, yeah, okay, that's okay. And then I kind of went all in for this one. Something in me just really wanted to go big, which, you know, it was not a great thing. So I <laughs> extended my product range a lot. So by that stage, I had jewelry and I also had uh, handmade wooden painted plant holders, which were became a huge thing about a year later, but this was before that. And just random lots of products. So I still had the wheat bags. I was making doorstops and door snakes and handbags and table runners and cushions. And so I was just, I was doing a lot and I put a lot of effort into that range and I'd paid for a really good stand in a really good spot. So this was in Sydney and I was really, really tired by the time I got there. It was a lot of manual work to get everything ready because at this point I was still doing everything. So everything was made out of the fabric that I screen printed. I mixed all the paints. I, you know, did all the screens, the designs, and then actually they printed the fabric and then cut it up and then, you know, sewed it and put it all together and then, you know, cut the wooden pieces for the wooden planters and sanded and varnished and painted and like the jewelry was all wooden laser cut that had to be sanded and then painted and varnished and It was a lot and I was doing all of it. I think by this point I had some friends that had to step in and help because it was getting very, it was just a lot and um, and I was getting quite stressed and I was working long hours. So by the time I sort of got into this trade show, I was already in that stress cycle. I was burnt out a little bit from just the amount of work. 
um, not getting a lot of financial reward for it as well. Um, like I was getting sales enough to keep going, but not enough to like really help smooth the wheels of the business. And so here I am at the trade show, all excited, all pumped by this massive big new range and all the work that I'd put into doing it, basically. And then I watched day after day as everyone just walked past my trade show stand and didn't come in. And it was devastating, to say the least. It was just, it just didn't, the range did not resonate with people. And, and there's nothing I can do about that. It just, I just hit, didn't hit the mark. It wasn't on trend. It was definitely my style, my unique style at that time. And I think at that time people were looking for more like minimalist, black and white, kind of like chic kind of things, very Sydney at that point. And, um, and mine was very organic and, um, pretty and feminine and it just did not resonate with people. And so it was really hard to sit there and get no sales and watch people kind of like glance at my stand as they walk past and then just keep walking and to see that over and over again. So, you know, I have a lot of compassion for my my past self at this point because I remember um, my sister who was very lovingly helping me out, she would fly over from Perth to help me at the trade show stand and I said, you know what, I just need to go outside for a while. And I went outside and I like there was a park opposite the um, the venue and I just laid down and I bawled my eyes out. I was in fetal position, literally on the ground, just going, I can't do this anymore. Like it broke me. It really did. I felt like I had given everything to this business emotionally, physically, like just mentally had, it kind of felt like it destroyed me a little bit at this point because there was no return. I was like, I am giving everything to this business and it is not giving me anything back. Like I feel no love, like no, there was just no energy flowing. And I was like, I can't do this. And so when I finished the trade show, went back to Melbourne, um, I just kind of stopped everything. I thought I I can't keep going. It's, there's just, it's not working. I need to stop. I need to rethink. Um, my relationship at this point was also finishing after five years. Um, I turned 30. So basically it was like my satin return. So if you guys know what that is, <laughs> I was definitely hitting my 30-year-old satin return. Uh, it definitely felt like a dark night of the soul. My business wasn't working. My relationship hadn't been working. And I just stopped everything. And I went into pretty a pretty big collapse. So for months, I was so exhausted, so tired. I had moved out of the house I'd shared with my partner. I had just um, gotten a job with a friend just to make ends meet. I wasn't doing the business. I think I put together some like the like four or five orders that I did receive from that trade show and then I just stopped and I remember thinking I just want to be a painter just want to be a painter um just be creative like I'm sick of this business and then after another month or two I was I think I got scared and I was like oh painting I don't know how much money I'm going to be able to get from that like you know I need more time to get better at it all the stories and then I was like you know what's always worked is the wheat bags. Everyone's always loved them. They resonate with people. They help people. I had never wanted to kind of push the wheat bags 
just on their own because I didn't want to be the wheatback lady. It was just pure ego, pure ego. I wanted to have a cool designer label with like cool handbags and be like this cool Melbourne designer. And at the end of the day, the daggy product that I'd normally keep at the back of the trade show stand or market stand was the thing that actually people actually did resonate with and they did like buying them and they were something that did sell. So I went, you know what? It's not worth the ego. I'm going to like chuck out everything out of the business except for the wheat bags. I'm going to rebrand because one of the things I'd learned by that stage was that having a name like Emity, which people couldn't pronounce, meant that they also, it was hard for them to remember. So some people would think it was Emity um, or yeah, Emity was what it was. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to name my business something really obvious Really obvious that people can't forget. So that's how Wheatbags Love was born. So I did a trade show about six months after the disastrous one. So it took me six months to kind of regroup, regather. Basically, this was a big realignment, which I think when businesses aren't working, it's a really good place to step back and really look at what is and isn't working and try and identify where, you know, like, for example, your ego is getting in the way or you're, you know, you're just really attached to an idea or something that just actually isn't working. So I was really attached to all my other products, but they weren't working. There was so many other companies and businesses out there doing something similar and doing it better, but no one was doing wheat bags. So that was something that was unique. It was something that a lot of uh, stores love to stock. There wasn't that many competitors. Um, and the fabrics that I was doing screen printing wise actually worked really well for wheat bags versus maybe they weren't working so well for handbags. So by the time this next trade show came around, I had renamed everything, rebranded, uh, had just focused on the wheat bags. And I think I also snuck in some jewelry cause I couldn't help myself. So I had wheat bags on one side of my stand, a little bit of jewelry on the other side. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this jewelry is awesome. I think I've really like got it down to something that people are going to like. And then I did the trade show and so many people loved the wheat bags. Like it was like they were drawn to it. It's like it was like you can just see people walking past and go, oh, and they see the wheat bag and they come over and they pick it up and they ask about it and then they place an order. And it was such a contrast to the trade show six months before where just no one was interested. And I had so many orders for the wheat bags and yet no one, oh, not no one, but there was like, again, like six orders for the jewellery. And I was like, okay, all right, I've learned my lesson. I need to really actually get rid of the jewellery as well. And then from there, my business kind of doubled every year once I started focusing just on the wheat bags. So for that particular burnout period, that was actually really useful. It was really useful. It was kind of like um, what Jenny Blake calls a burn it all down kind of moment where you feel like you do want to just burn your whole business down and like just get out. And I kind of did. Like I stopped for quite a few months and then I really thought about what was working and what wasn't. And then I got rid of everything that wasn't and it really worked for me. And Weebags Love ended up being an amazing business and that's the one that I sold a year ago. And I'm so grateful for that 
place that I got to where I was like, I can't do it anymore. I just physically cannot do it anymore because I was fighting uphill. I was pushing, I was doing way too much work with products that weren't working, that people weren't wanting. And I could have kept butting my head against the wall. So I was really glad that I just hit breaking point to the point where I had to make changes. And those changes really worked. So yay. The next little burnout wasn't as obvious. So I had started uh, the botanical store, which was my retail store that I started maybe four or five years ago. So at this point, Wheatbacks Love was humming along. I had um, beautiful people working for me. I wasn't physically as involved in the business. I had had a seven-month stint in Byron Bay where I'd had to actually learn how to physically remove myself from the studio and have a bit more autonomy and learn how amazing outsourcing is. Um, I have a whole episode on outsourcing. If you want to listen to that, I'll put it in the show notes. So that was such a key thing for freeing up my time so that I could focus on the things that I wanted to focus on. Things were going really well. Sales were happening. The money was flowing. It wasn't, the company certainly wasn't flush at that point. It was earning enough that I could pay bills and not stress huge amounts. So needless to say, it was kind of getting to this point of being quite cushy and easy and everything was in alignment. And then I decided to add the botanical store, which uh, wasn't the greatest idea in hindsight because I suddenly realized that I had added a full-time business on top of another full-time business. And for a while, that was really tricky. And I was physically burnt out, uh, feeling really exhausted from all the work that went into actually opening the retail store and then finding myself having to work in the retail store um, five, six days a week and also then running my Wheatbags Love company. So that was a bit of a uh uh-oh moment. And what I learned at that point was there, I have so many balls in the air and I have to be okay that a lot of them slash most of them are going to drop to the ground. Like I couldn't cover everything. I couldn't get everything done. Things were being forgotten. Things were just late. Uh, I had really good people around me, uh, especially on the Wheatbags Love side that were definitely picking up the slack while I was really busy with the shop. And I think at that point, I just stopped caring as much about trying to get everything right. And I think that's why I used that dropping the ball analogy to myself at the time. I was like, it's okay to drop balls. I cannot keep all of these balls in the air. I can't keep the plates spinning. Like there's just too much physically for one person to do. And so again, at this point, what helped was hiring people. So I, at that point, was sharing the retail store with a friend who had a tea business And so we were both sharing being physically in the store doing the sales. And then we started to get people in to help us over the weekends and then eventually over time sort of kept replacing myself. So that that enabled time to be freed up, which meant that I wasn't trying to get everything done whilst also being the salesperson in the shop because what I quickly figured out was that I made a terrible salesperson because I had such a huge list of things I needed to do that I would be on my laptop like furiously trying to get everything done and then suddenly someone will walk in the store a customer a customer would walk in the store and my first thought would be ugh <laughs> they're going to interrupt me and I'm like wow that is a terrible thought to have Kim you need to get yourself out of this position so it was really great hiring people whose sole focus was customers and looking after the shop and getting things done 
physically in the shop versus my focus, which was still working and doing a lot for the wheat bags business and then obviously all the back end stuff of running a retail store. And over the next few years, there definitely were lots of moments where it all became too much. I was like, what am I doing? Something's got to give. And I had, I guess, another burn it all down moment, but it was slightly different in that I was more worried that something would happen that would just put a bomb to everything. It was the weirdest feeling. It was like feeling like almost the universe would step in and like create chaos. And it was like, I don't want to deal with that. Oh gosh. Like I was worried that something bad would happen. And so it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to burn it all down. It was more the fear that something else would burn it all down because something had to give. And I just was stuck. I had no idea, didn't know where to go. And so it was two years before I actually sold and got out of both businesses, which happened last year. Um, So it was for the two years before that, that I was like, all right, one of these businesses has got to go. And, And it switched. I think it started with wanting to sell the botanical store. And then COVID hit, so that kind of became really tough to try and sell a retail store in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Yeah, don't try that. Um, So then I was like, okay, well, I can't get rid of the retail store. Maybe I just need – it's time to leave the wheat bags business. And so then I started to look in what would I need to do to sell that business because that one I definitely knew I wanted to sell because it was such an amazing business. And by that time, it was really kind of running itself – in terms of being mostly managed by an operations manager. And I was not involved that much in terms of maybe I did three or four hours of work a week on it. And then I think I switched back to wanting to sell the store another like three times and then not selling it and then selling it and then not selling it. And then it was just, it was, yeah. I think by that time I wasn't necessarily feeling burnt out because I think through kind of releasing both businesses mentally like going oh I'm happy to get out of one or both of them I kind of something happened where the pressure came off and so even though I was still effectively running the same businesses somehow I had all this free time by this point I had moved to uh, Ocean Shores in you know north of Byron Bay so I wasn't even in the same city and of course I was dealing with lots of lockdowns and you know, opening the store, closing the store, opening the store, closing the store, like so many people uh, around the world were dealing with. But something about, I guess, my, my own expectations had lifted. And so I was just doing whatever needed to happen to stay afloat. And so for the botanical store, that wasn't working so great just in terms of retail really sucking during a pandemic um, and not having a massive online presence for that business. Meanwhile, the wheat bags was actually doing really, really well. So COVID was really amazing. For some reason, our uh, our stockers, our retail stores that stocked our product were doing really well. Um, and I think they had shifted to online really well. And then people were buying through our own online website. And so for whatever reason, that business was booming during COVID, whilst the store wasn't. So by being uh, here in Ocean Shores, being near the beach, being in the, the country, being in a regional area, not being as like close to the businesses definitely started to help in terms of that, what I would call long-term fatigue. So it wasn't necessarily that I was burnt out in terms of like that real acute phase burnout. It was more long-term fatigue of having run two really big businesses. So lucky me, the sale of the Wheat Bags Love business went through this time last year and was super appreciative of how that 
turned out and super appreciative of being able to hand the business over to people who were going to love it and keep it running. And then the botanical store, we did have a buyer, but unfortunately she had to pull out very last minute. So it was kind of like me packing up the store thinking it would be handed over to someone and then last minute, unfortunately, that didn't work out. And so then I ended up just closing that business. And so I didn't mean to time the fact that both of them would finish in the same week. It just happened. So after two years of trying to sell one or the other or both of these businesses, suddenly I found on one particular Monday, literally almost a year ago, that I suddenly didn't have either of them. And I would say even though it's been a year, I'm still recovering. So I think that's the thing about burnout and long-term fatigue of running businesses is that what I'm learning is it can take a long time to recover. And I am seeing that in uh, lots of other friends that I know about who are on this journey and obviously interviewing the people I have interviewed over the last 20 episodes about this, that it's a couple of year kind of journey. And anyone that's experienced adrenal fatigue can also also knows the length that it can take. It's not just a matter of like resting for a few weeks. It really is long term looking after the body, nourishing the body, resting. So sometimes I judge myself that I'm still like feeling fatigued from running uh, pretty massive businesses for 10 years and being in high stress for most of that time, it was only the last few years that I really learned the art of outsourcing and working with my energy and being in alignment with my intuition and all the things that helped me slowing down, taking rest when I needed them, not pushing forward like I did in the early days, pushing past the point where my body would then fall over with a flu or a cold or something. But there was a lot of stress in all of all of that journey. And so here I am, still resting, still recovering from that, um, enjoying running this podcast and, and starting to build the website and things that will support the podcast, but doing it from a place of uh, real ease. So I have no rush, hence why it's taken me 20 episodes to even start the website, because I don't want to get in a place where I am pushing. It's just not worth it. I don't need to, there's nowhere to get to, there's no achievement to get to, there's no like great success goal I'm trying to reach. I'm just doing this because I want to, because I enjoy it. And so I'm making sure that everything that I do is from a place of wanting to do it. If I don't feel like recording a podcast episode, you know what? I just miss a week. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's been, I think there's only been one week where I missed mostly because of the cyclone that I was in in New Zealand. But I give myself that grace of going, I'm only moving and doing things when I really want to do them. And that's so that I can also be an example of that. And I want to show how to build a business like this and then, you know, talk about my learnings. So it's really important that I am walking my walk and talking my talk. So yeah, I am still in recovery and I am still resting a lot and needing to and also managing my mind and all the things that it has to say about that. But that's my little business burnout story. So it wasn't everything, but there's definitely the main points in there and some of the decisions I made along the way. And I'll do more and more episodes about how to work in business so that there isn't burnout, so that you're in alignment, you're working with your energy, you're working with your intuition, you're outsourcing all those things you don't need to do. 
you're trusting the flow of money, you're working on your money mindset, so you're allowing money to come in, you're allowing opportunities to come in, you're allowing your business to grow through using the alignment from the universe, not pushing, not needing to make everything happen yourself. So these are just some of the things, you know, that I have talked about and will continue to talk about because this is my journey and I'm continuing to learn and hopefully you've enjoyed some of the the things I have learned so far because of some of those burnout moments that I've just shared. So as always, thank you so much for listening and I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please follow or subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and join me over on Instagram at Slow Down and Thrive for more daily tips and messages.